Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. around the house who kept all that information it's rare so that's the other piece that i want to recommend is create a folder for all your receipts and stuff for when you do these kind of projects so down the road you know what brand of faucet that is you know what model number it is you could actually look in the brochure of it and see what the replacement parts are with the installation instructions always keep those things around someplace whether it's in a remodel box that's in your attic or your basement Just make sure you've got those pieces together so you can track down parts down the road. It's gonna save you a headache. That way you know exactly what you got on your hands and you can work with it. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. This segment is brought to you by Root Quencher and rootquencher.com. If you have trees you're trying to water and they're not healthy, you need to get water right to the roots and you know how you do it? Root Quencher. Check out rootquencher.com. Save some money and have healthier trees. Welcome to the Round the House show. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today I wanted to talk about in this hour cost effective kitchen remodel tips and things that you can do to make that kitchen a little bit better without doing that major gut of that kitchen. And this is where there's a lot of things that you can do that aren't as expensive, especially with what things cost right now for a, you know, for a, for a kitchen remodel. And, you know, my background, I've got uh, 29 years of my history as a kitchen and bath designer. Uh, I was a, still am a certified kitchen designer since 1999 through the National Kitchen and Bath Association. So this is really one of my things that I've done years and years and thousands of thousands of kitchens over the decades. And it's just something that is always dear to my heart and something that you can do correctly if you take the time and plan it out. So here's a couple tips that I wanted to start out with here before you start any of these. You know, if it's a significant project, it will probably save you money to hire a designer to help walk through that. Because A kitchen designer helping you if you're changing design, you're changing cabinetry, you're doing any of that stuff, it's going to save you money in the long run. And I know you're like, wow, it's going to cost me extra money. Yeah, but you're only going to do things once. You're not going to put up a tile backsplash and go, that's not what I was thinking. Now I got to rip it out and start over. So this can really save you some time and some planning and using their expertise to help, especially if these are things you haven't done before. And so throwing a few hundred bucks for a few hours at a kitchen and bath designer could be something that could save you a lot of money and help the process get much more streamlined. And then I want you to also consider what upgrades you need that could add that value to your home or health and comfort. Those are kind of the big things, right? You know, value means that you're making it look better. You're adding increased value. People don't walk in if you're going to put it up for sale and go, wow, that thing needs a, badly needs a kitchen remodel. And then health could be making sure that you have a vent hood that vents outside. 
And comfort is just having a place that's organized where you can see, which could be health and safety as well, you know, with new lighting and things like that. So those are kind of first before you start kind of things. Let's talk first about some of the biggest mistakes that I see with kitchens, because with a kitchen, it gets interesting. Some of the biggest mistakes that I've seen recently, especially, is hiring a contractor to come in and they just duplicate your old design and put in cabinets in the exact same spot. You know, kitchens, especially if you're over 20 years old, more so even over 30 years old, is we have changed how we shop and the things that we put in our cabinets. You think about it. Prior to the 1920s, for instance, we had a lot of open shelves because you didn't need all these things. You There were not all these store-bought products. You know, the cereal companies were just coming out with stuff. You just didn't have that many prepackaged things. And today, the world is filled with that. But you think about it, too. Even if it's 1960s, we didn't have the... Williams Sonoma, the Amazons, all these different things for all the different things that you were cooking in, all the different tools that you can use now. And so the countertop appliances, all those things, you know, in the in the 70s and really 80s, we had microwaves. Those were on a cart in the kitchen because we didn't have a place to put them back then. And now they're built in part of an oven or, you know, on a worst case scenario, they're part of a range hood that doesn't work. But that's really what it is. So really trying to trying to think about and plan for the next 20 years versus planning how someone maybe planted or a builder didn't plan it. And that's one of the things that I really learned doing multifamily stuff in you know high rises. I was doing these million dollar condos in Bellevue, Washington 15 years ago. It was a high rise Lincoln Square. I had designed those units out beautifully. There were beautiful corner cabinets, everything else. And then we got into the budget part and we voided corners where we didn't put anything in the corners. The corners were inaccessible. So we just had fillers. There wasn't even a blind corner cabinet. And so they really cheapen it out. And so if you think about it with a cabinet, uh, a door and drawer front situation where you've got maybe, let's, let's call it two full height doors. We open it up. There's no drawers in this cabinet at all. That's half the price typically as a four drawer cabinet that would be the same size next to it. Those drawers are an expensive option. So really planning ahead using that latest and greatest of kitchen design and the accessories is really a key to adding value to the inside of that and comfort as well. So you can get more storage out of it. You can put so much more in something that's got adjustable you know, roll out shelves in it than just a half depth shelf or a shelf. You could store a lot more stuff in there. So really thinking about it. And then one of the biggest mistakes that I see out there, my number one mistake, and this is, this is the house flipper special, right? Where they have 20 year old cabinets and I don't care if they're made out of solid wood and the plywood, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you're looking at it and that's what it is, Putting those brand new cab countertops on old cabinets is tough because if you're putting quartz over the top of it, if you can find a company to come remove it, that's one thing. Second of all, there's about a 50-50 chance it's going to come out in one piece. So if you said, hey, I'm going to put new countertops on my kitchen, I'm going to put these quartz countertops in, and next year I'm going to redo my kitchen, just know that you're going to be throwing that money away from the countertops and you're going to be paying to haul that heavy stuff off. 
So that's really where the issue is that you need to keep, kind of keep in mind for, is that's going to get really expensive really quick, that that five to 10 grand that you just spent on countertops is throwaway money. You're not going to probably reuse it. It's tough to see that stuff get come out because how they do countertops like that is they template off the old cabinets, make sure everything's in there, and then they turn around and make it based on that template. And as soon as you put new cabinets in, that's a different template and you've got issues. So then make sure that you've got that kind of planned out beforehand. That's one of the big problems. I can't tell you how many times I have seen stuff like that where we had to throw away very expensive countertops because somebody got in a hurry or a house flipper did it. And it was brutal. Hate seeing that stuff get thrown away. It's still a waste of money. And it's a waste of your money as a homeowner. So let's talk a little more about some of the top value projects that you can do to your kitchen to really get things upgraded. And this is uh, kind of detailed that I want to get into because it's important. So one of the biggest ones and the easiest is new appliances. Now, putting a refrigerator in, making sure that that's going to fit in the opening. And that's something if you've got an old kitchen that you need to be paying attention to. Because, you know, there's the French door style. You know, that where you have the two doors that open up on top and the freezers down below. Those are really cool. However, if those are on the end run up against a wall, you might need another six or seven inches to get those doors open. So if you open the doors up and get them at 90 degrees, you have to have it at least that in many cases to get the crispers open. And then you want then then you can access the drawers. So that's that's one headache that you've got to watch out for. The second is when you have a cooktop and double oven situation or a single oven, making sure that you can fit that in the existing opening and making sure that's going to fit into those existing cabinets. And so that's a big one right there. And that's where you got to start looking at what appliances you're going to do. And when we come back, we'll talk about matching those things up just as soon as around the house returns. tuning us on the radio we appreciate you we are a part of the talk media network and so thanks to all our radio listeners out there and if you're on the podcast don't forget we do have a premium subscription available out there where you get the podcast early and then we will coming up here uh, in july have some exclusive content that you won't be able to hear anywhere else and you can do that just head over to aroundthehouseonline.com and you can find that over there if you just head over to the podcast all right guys well we've been talking about cost-effective remodel tips to uh, be able to upgrade that kitchen without spending a ton of money on it. And of course, in the last segment, we're talking about some of the things you should do before you start and the top mistakes that are made. But I was talking about new appliances and how that refrigerator fits in there. Really, I'm giving you different advice now that maybe I gave you five years ago. I want you to be brand specific now. I've changed my take over this over the last probably 18 months. If you're out there looking at appliances, I would much rather you see you buy a 
LG all across the board or a KitchenAid or Whirlpool across the board, name your brand, right? Because now we're starting to see appliances, depending on how smart you get, communicate and work with all the same apps. So for instance, in my house, I have some LG. I have an LG fridge. I have an LG washer and dryer. I have the LG styler. I have the LG um, cordless robot vac. They all run off of that app and my LG TV. So you you don't want to have six apps and six appliances, right? So you want to be able to have them all work together. And that's where that stuff really helps. So think about how that can work and how they can play well together. And uh, now that steel, you can match the styling up, which is good because, you know, each brand has their own styling. So the handles match. Um, I would strongly suggest going with the three different brands in a kitchen. It's not really needed anymore. And I think it's smart to start matching them up so those things can communicate together. As we go deeper into smart homes, them being of the same brand is going to be more important, not less. Because uh, you'll start having things using those sensors off there, and that's going to be very important. So new appliances is key. And then another tip that is a good one that you can do is just going over and installing new hardware. You know, it's very easy if you've got cabinet knobs that need to be updated, right? So when you look at that with the knobs, it's kind of easy. You're just changing out hardware, get the right screw length, and do that. Uh, I work a lot with Baldwin hardware, and so that's a good, high-quality hardware, and I think it's a really good way to go. So check out Baldwin.com. They have some great stuff there, but really swapping those out. Now, if you're going to be painting cabinets, this is also the time to do it. If you've got, you know, those old maple cabinets or oak or where the finish is coming off, you can go through and take a weekend or two and refinish those cabinets. Now, refinishing cabinets, let's talk about this for a little bit. This is not a Saturday project by any means. And the steps of doing this is, one, you're going to start out by emptying everything out of the cabinets, get it all cleaned out, and then you're going to take a grease and wax remover and wipe down all, all of the cabinets multiple times. I want that wiped down and get all the oils and grease because you think about it, that kitchen has had hands and greasy foods cooked in it for maybe 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So your prep is going to be that. Then after that, I want you to uh, tape off the areas you're not going to be painting. And then what I want to do is start sanding. That way that can protect that. And you're going to sand and scuff all of the finishes. Now, anywhere you're painting, you need to have that scuffed. Now's the time to do any patches. So if you've got door handles, and you want to go to knobs, now's the time to fill that. And you're going to get it all cleaned up. And then I want you, after you have get it all filled, ready to go, I want you to hit it once more with a grease and wax remover and take all the oils off. This kitchen needs to be like, I'm ready for surgery clean for this to go well. And then I want to make sure that you've got the right ventilation, follow all the directions on the finish that you're using. But really, the next step would be to come in and spray all of the cabinets with a sprayer. Now, you're going to go in and hit it with a primer first to make sure that's an adhesion primer so that sticks. Then go around after that stride and make sure that you're good and that you've also removed all the doors and drawer fronts and that kind of stuff so you can do this. You can't do this with the cabinets on there. So hardware's off. You're going to do the boxes and the doors and drawer fronts. It is a big project. 
you will spend a weekend prepping, you know, maybe a long Friday and a long Saturday, and then you're going to be doing a lot of painting. So if you've got a couple people, you might be able to get it done in a really long three-day weekend, but it is a big project for a medium-sized kitchen. And then you're going to get that primer on, sand anything that needs to be sanded, make sure everything's clean, make sure that you don't have any adhesion issues with fish eyes from silicones and that kind of stuff or any of the grease that's out there where it's going to fish eye. Make sure you got that all dialed in. And then you're going to put a really good high quality cabinet paint. Do not put wall paint on there. Find a good cabinet paint. You can get those at the home centers. You can go down to your favorite paint store and say, hey, I want to have a good paint. Now, make sure you have extra of this paint because this paint is never going to be as durable is what you see at the home centers and the new cabinets in there because it's not a baked on finish, but it will look good. And then you can go through and get that dialed in. That's really kind of the key of making sure that you've got that finishes and get it sprayed on. Now, some of the finishes you can get, like uh, we'll say you can roll it on, but you will see a little bit of a texture. So that's okay. And if you're going over an open grain like hickory or oak, don't try to hide that grain pattern. Let it be. Let it be what's there. So that way you're good because I tell you what, no matter how hard you try, it is really tough to fill in all the open grain from an open grain wood. So my best advice to you is to embrace that and make sure that you've got that dialed in. And then follow the directions on letting it dry and you're going to want to put probably two to three coats on depending on the finish and how much you're putting on there. And then once that dry, you can put the hardware on. The last thing you're going to do is move back into that kitchen. And so the more you can remove with that, the better off you are. If you're going to be putting new countertops on, I want to take those cabinets and remove the countertops and the backsplash and all that stuff first. That way you can do it. So you'll have that. So it's painted. Then you can come in and put the new countertop on. And then the last thing there after the countertop is on is putting the backsplash on. So that's going to be your way of doing this. And then, uh, you know, make sure you've got the proper ventilation. It's all going to be water-based anyway, but you need to have it so you've got good ventilation. So window, little fan in the window going outside, having that vent outside is key there as well. And then just making sure that you're clean. Getting the oils out of that kitchen is the hardest part of this whole project as well as all the sanding and prep. That's the part that takes, you know, as much as a weekend just getting ready. The painting goes pretty quick. But you also have all the doors and drawer fronts that are landing, that are sitting out there. So you'll have to do one side, let it dry, flip it over to the other side, and then paint everything equally so every piece has finish all the way around. We'll be talking more kitchen remodeling and kitchen makeover tips just as soon as Around the House returns. Don't go anywhere. to the Around the House show. We've been talking about cost-effective kitchen remodel tips today, things that you can do around the house to really get that house cleaned up and get it dialed in. That way you've got something that's looking good without doing the whole gut and do kitchen remodel. 
So what can you do that's a little more dialed in? So the key is this, is just uh, lots of little projects that are to make that big dent to make it look a little bit better or function a little bit better, or of course, make it healthier. So we're just talking about doing, uh, you know, repainting cabinets and going that route. Where I think you have a problem though, is I don't like, I'm not a big cabinet refacer because I think by the time that you pay for refacing to be done, I wish you would have put new cabinets in. So cabinet refacing is not one of my favorite things out there. And there's so many companies that come out and they go, hey, we're going to give you a kitchen in a day or two or whatever. Now, spend the money and do the kitchen right. That way you're golden. It will make things so much easier and it's got to have a better thing. So really dive in and spend the money. I'm not a big refacing thing where you're putting in new cabinet doors and new fronts and that kind of stuff on it and then putting the veneers over it. Because once you've refaced it, you really can't do much more with it. Many times you can't sit there and paint over the refacing because the paint's going to release the peel and stick paper that's on the cabinet. And at that point, after you refaced it, it's pretty much time for the dumpster. It's been done. All it can be done. And so it really kind of paints you into a corner. So the only time I think refacing makes sense if you bought a flipped house and they put brand new countertops in and a new backsplash that you like, refacing then might be your best option. Well, one of the things you can do to upgrade this kitchen really is to go in and do new flooring and maybe you're going to be doing new vinyl maybe you're going to refinish the hardwood floors maybe you're going to put down new you know click lock composites like one of the vinyl planks luxury vinyl planks and those kind of things now here's the thing any of the floating floors you don't want to have under anything that's a cabinet so since you've got the cabinets already installed that's easy you know, that's a good thing to do, but keep in mind, you want that to go under the refrigerator and you want it to go under the dishwasher and underneath the range as well, if it is a slide-in or built-in range. Now, the difference between a slide-in and the built-in range, a slide-in range has the, uh, the or freestanding range, a slide-in range has the controls over the front, there's no backsplash on it, a freestanding range has the knobs many times that are up on the back and it's got that back control panel. And, of course, the uh, slide-in range is much more of a luxury look than the freestanding range. It's kind of the builder basic range. Uh, And that's the difference between those when you're looking at your standard 30-inch range that you see at the home center or your favorite appliance store. Now, when you're doing this, you really want to pay attention to what your height is. I have had houses that I've bought or lived in that I was going to dive into and do some projects that have had... You know, maybe they're built in the 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, keep going, that have had three, four, five layers of flooring. And you're going to get to a point at some point that you need to stop and pull it out. Like I had a house in the Seattle area when I was living up there that had four distinct layers. It had two layers of uh, vinyl. It had one layer of tile. And then somebody's brilliant idea was to lay down and do tile over the top of that again. And for me to do flooring in that, I had to pull that up because the dishwasher was stuck underneath the countertop. I couldn't get it because they tiled it in. So at that point, you have to go through and really rip out all those floors and start over and get it back to the beginning part. Now, here's one thing I want you to take a look at when you're dealing with old vinyl or even some of the old linoleum-esque floors. You know, linoleum is a product made as a, is a, linseed oil-based product. So there's rarely asbestos in that. 
But what you would see is in a linoleum that was a sheet vinyl, you would see the black tar glue beneath it. There was asbestos-containing materials. Many times when you pull up that old floor in the kitchen and you see a black tar, have that tested and stop. And then if you've got old 50s and 60s, even early 70s, vinyl flooring, that can be in there as well. Now, you can find asbestos in products even today, but you saw the highest concentrations of it in flooring from the 50s all the way up into the 80s. They did not outlaw that in the States. They just tried to uh, warn people about it, but it's what made the floor more durable. So that was the key with that. So always test that before you get involved with it. Test that flooring, test the glues so you know what you're doing so you don't get fined or get a health hazard by trying to remove it. And that's the stuff. You know, the the glue is not so much the problem when you're pulling it up because that's kind of tar-based, so it's not like it's a sandpaper going around. But as soon as you start scraping it, sanding it, and doing that kind of stuff, if it's over the top of a, of a hardwood floor, that's where you run into the problems. So you need to take into account how that's going to be removed so you have a healthy environment around your house. So think about that. I would get that stripped down, get your floor back to the level. And if it's just over like an old vinyl, you can put, you can leave that, encapsulate it, and put a uh, floating floor over the top of that, and then you're good. So something to think about when it comes to flooring. You know, another update that I like is painting the walls and replacing that backsplash. That can be a key. The other thing I like to do that, and let's talk about that for a minute, because again, painting the walls is all about the prep. In a kitchen that hasn't been cleaned in a long time, I really want you to take a a warm sponge and some like Dawn dishwasher detergent and some warm water. And I want you to scrub the walls down in the first part of prep. And the closer you get to the range, the more I want you to do it. And if you've got a white terry cloth towel to dry it, Make sure that you got all of that oil and grease. You'll be shocked how much oil and grease is in an old house on those walls and surfaces. So make sure you get that all away. And then in those situations where many times in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s, they used a higher gloss finish, I honestly think it's a good time to put a primer on there to make sure that you've got good adhesion, an adhesion primer, and then go ahead and paint. It's also going to help kind of like seal and lock that up. So that paint sticks on there. It's going to give you a more durable finish and you'll use a little bit less paint as well. So that's a good thing when you're doing that. Now, one of the biggest radical changes you can do without changing out cabinets and countertops and appliances and all that stuff is putting in and upgrading new lighting. If you have right now that incandescent standard light bulbs in your kitchen or fluorescence right now, You are leaving so much on the table as far as an enjoyable, beautiful space. And you can replace those can lights with newer LED ones. If you've got, you know, any of those, a lighting upgrade can change the look of that kitchen without doing any of the other updates. So look for lights also to get the right color temperature of these lights. So I like, in a kitchen, a little more of a yellower light. My 2800 to three grand is right where I love in a kitchen. 
Now, some people will say they wanted a little little more refrigerator white, a little more office light because they like to see it. I like to see the warm tones in the food. So that's my key. I don't like it to look too sterile of an environment, but having some of that warmer, softer light is nice. And make sure that all the lights that you're getting in there, from your new under cabinet lights to your new can lights, are all of the same color temperature. So make sure that you have the right color of light coming out and the right light. And if you're adding can lights, do not, if I can give you one suggestion there, guys, make sure you're not using the big six-inch can lights. Take it down to four, three, two inches. Smaller lights are better in the kitchen because they're not so distracting. You don't have those hot spots in the kitchen. If you want a nice luxury look, make sure and use a smaller diameter can light and put maybe a few more in, and that light will disappear instead of having all these bright white, big six-inch pucks from the ceiling that are looking down. It gives you a much more enjoyable environment. All right, we'll come back and wrap this topic up just as soon as Around the House returns. Don't go anywhere. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Thanks for joining us today. We've been talking about the most cost-effective kitchen remodel tips. Without having to tear out an entire kitchen, what can you do to gain a little more life out of it? So you can maybe save it up, do some work later on it, or that big remodel. Well, a few little details with us here at Around the House. Uh, Make sure you can catch us over at aroundthehouseonline.com. That's the website there as well as you can catch uh, the podcast there as well. If you're on the radio listening, if you want to go back, we have in the back catalog about a thousand episodes. So there's a lot there. Some of it is part of the premium membership, but the last couple hundred you can always get on any podcast player. And for more information about the premium membership, you can just go over to aroundthehouseonline.com. We've been talking about uh, cost-effective kitchen remodel tips and kind of getting to the end of this segment here, but really some of the things that you can do is under cabinet lighting. And sometimes that's not as hard as what you might think. Sometimes you can fish wires down under into the base cabinets that you can plug in units. Uh, I have done that before. And with today's LED smart home tape technology, it really makes it easy. So you'll have to run power, of course, but it's low voltage. And if you've got uh, maybe an extra outlet under the sink that's not switched, you could put it in there and run it with your smartphone. And uh, all of a sudden, you've got some great under cabinet lighting. And the cool thing is, is they don't use any electricity, really. It's so negligible. You can keep those things on all the time and not cost yourself money because they use such low amount of wattage compared to the old like halogen puck lights. You know, those round puck lights they used 20 years ago. Oh, my gosh. I made one big mistake because I forgot to tell my client when we did these that they shouldn't store their butter in the cabinet above that because they stored it in a cabinet. Well, we put the new cabinets in, put the pug lights in. This was probably 20 years ago. Those things were so hot, it got hot 
up into that cabinet. So much so it melted the butter in her butter dish. So that's how inefficient those things they were because they created so much extra heat. The LEDs out there don't really do that. But that's, you know, one of the pluses with the new technology out there. And if there's a way to run a wire down between the backsplash and the base cabinets where you can cut a hole maybe in the back of the cabinet up above, cabin and the base cabinet down below, you can sometimes fish that in between there and get it up there so you have power to those upper cabinets. Sometimes you can run into a plug down there, but you will see that. Um, that's the only bad part about having them when you've already got an existing backsplash and not part of a little bit bigger remodel. Now, if you're already doing a backsplash and countertop, then of course run your wires. Uh, it'll make life so much easier. Now, another great one is too is replacing, if you've got a laminate countertop, replacing that laminate countertop and putting in a new sink, new faucet, and a garbage disposal. You know, there are so many ways to do that. You can go through with a laminate countertop, pull it out, put in new particle board, and you can put a new laminate over the top of it with a square or a wood or a separate edge. You can also get them where they're pre-rolled or pre-formed. And that's really going down to your home center, grabbing off the ones that are pre-made there or something that's made to order. And that is another good one. Cut the hole for your sink and uh, holes for the faucet. And uh, that can be a nice big upgrade when you want to play with that. That can really get it dialed in for you. So something to consider when you're working on a project like that. So that could be really key to really giving it. And the, and the new laminates these days are great. They've got these high-def laminates that look so good. And you can really get things kind of dialed in. So that's a key right there of, of making a really beautiful project. That laminate is a cost-effective way to go and you're not going to feel bad about it four years later throwing it in the dumpster or trying to reuse it in your garage or something because uh well you didn't spend that much on it in the first place it's not like putting granite on a kitchen that's going to last five years before you're done with it so it's another good way to go when it comes to getting those things dialed in so food for thought out there of having a really nice kitchen countertop that looks good but is cost effective now, another great tip I have for you when you're kind of trying to do some of these upgrades and the kitchen remodel tips, maybe you're going to remove wallpaper or put new wallpaper up because wallpaper is in. But one thing I want to remind you is, is that if you're stuck at searching at your home centers for stuff, get outside the box a little bit. If you're looking at home center faucets, those are kind of the entry level faucets out there. And maybe you're not getting the best value out of it. So, Take a look at your local plumbing supply store. You know, the places that your plumbers go to. Take a look there. Do some searching there for that. Um, when it comes to faucets and, you know, things like that, I'm very concerned about buying stuff online unless it's from one of the, uh, you know, legitimate places like build.com is great because I think they're owned by Ferguson. Ferguson is the uh, largest plumbing wholesaler in the country. So there's a lot of different things that you can get out there, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of also knockoff materials out there as well. I mean, to this day today, I could sit here and go down to my home center and buy a American Standard or Kohler faucet off the shelf. I could drop that in DHL, send it over to China via, via Alibaba, and in six weeks, 10 weeks, I gotta have four pallets of that showing up, and I've got a new eBay business. And American Standard wouldn't have made that. They would have taken it, copied it as best they could, including the packaging, and do it. So these are things you gotta be really careful with out there 
when you're buying from unknown sources. So it's always best. I mean, it still happens today. I can't tell you how many of my plumbing store friends have people that come in that need a little part for a faucet. And it wasn't the real brand. It was something that was a knockoff. So it's not any different that you see in people knocking off coach purses or, uh, you know, Louis Vuitton and those kind of things. Those do exist and be very careful. You know, those are things that I really like to see you go out and buy the real thing. And there are different grades of things out there too. You know, if you see some brands of faucets, they put a cheaper brand in the home center than what's in the plumbing store. What do you mean by cheaper? Maybe if you walk down to your plumbing store, the wholesaler, you open that, take that faucet apart and it's all brass inside. The one from the home center is all plastic, but it might even have the same model number. So these are things to take a look at. Sometimes the toilets that are in the home centers are a lower grade. There might be a couple more flaws. They could have a little more warp to them because they're made out of, you know, vitreous china. Many times those are graded. So because there's always a push in the home centers for lower prices. And what do the manufacturers do? They'll do a special run with more plastic and less metal. And uh, they'll they'll put a nice little lead-free thing on it. But guess what? That just means that they've got more plastic in it as well. So really take a look, know your sources, get your brands. And, you know, when it comes to faucets, you get what you pay for. I am not a fan of going into, you know, like Costco and buying faucets and things like that, because many times those are one-off things that are hard to find parts for. My parents 15 years ago had bought a a faucet, name brand faucet from uh, Costco. And every year like clockwork, my mom was on the phone giving customer service a call and they were sending out replacement parts. But my dad every year would have to sit there and put new replacement parts in the faucet every year. Nobody wants to do that. So make sure that you know what you're getting and buy the name brand stuff. And unless you're trying to, on a severe budget, stay away from the home center in-house brands. Those are the, the... the house flipper special pieces that just, you know, buy something a little higher quality. It makes a difference, you know, and then if you get something that's got a lifetime warranty, that's a name brand, you know, they're going to be around. That's some of the problems that I see with some of the in-house store brands, the knockoff brands, as I call them, they'll make something that looks like a Delta faucet, but it's, you know, another brand, whatever that in-house store brand is. And guess what? They make a different one every three or four years. So trying to find the right repair parts can be tough. And who keeps their paperwork on that to know what the model number is? Who kept all that information? It's rare. So that's the other piece that I want to recommend is create a folder for all your receipts and stuff for when you do these kind of projects. So down the road, you know what brand of faucet that is. You know what model number it is. You could actually look in the brochure of it and see what the replacement parts are with the installation instructions. Always keep those things around someplace, whether it's in a remodel box that's in your attic or your basement. Just make sure you've got those pieces together so you can track down parts down the road. It's going to save you a headache. That way you know exactly what you got on your hands and you can work with it. So those are some of my kitchen remodeling tips for doing that, uh, you know, no demolition renovation like you see on some of the TV shows out there. Sometimes you can do a lot of things to make things a lot better. 
without having to spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars of what it can cost to have somebody come in and remodel your kitchen. Stick around for hour number two. We're going to do the same for bathrooms just as soon as Around the House returns. Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.